All right, it is warm in here. Anybody feeling the sweat? Oh, yeah, welcome. <laughs> okay, so good to see you guys. Welcome. Welcome. It's good to be together and uh, excited that you're here today. We have been on a long, long journey through the letter of Ephesians, and what we're going to do this morning is we're going to actually finish that journey off. It was about 12 weeks long since Easter, wrestling, walking bit by bit, verse by verse through this, what has become uh, my favorite letter in the New Testament. Is that allowed? I think that's a thing. I don't know, but it's my favorite. Um, And it's just been so good to have discussion with you guys and, and wrestle through some of these things. Now, I'll say this, a couple things. One, I had an amazing time. Uh, this week at Praxis, or at Praxis, at Compass Basketball Camp. You may or may not know, Jay Lawrence, part of our community here, does a great job leading Compass Basketball through Youth for Christ. And so they let the old guys show up on uh, these mornings last week. And no, I didn't dunk. But it was fun to be there and hang out and actually see some of what we've been able to contribute to And I just want to say I am so impressed with the work that they do and how we've been able to come alongside that is just, basically I got to see what we've been giving to, how that, what what we've given to, how that's gone forward. And so it's amazing to see some of these kids get an opportunity to go to camp and play ball. And it's like high level basketball for these kids' ages. It's really great. And uh, I got dominated. It's okay. My, my, My basketball career is done now that I'm in my almost late 30s goes so quick. Ava always catches gray hairs, and she just reminds me that I'm getting old. So it's all good. But it's just really, uh, really cool to see some of what's happening uh, with those guys. I'll say this as well. Um, we're really excited about the fall, and you're going to hear more about the fall season coming up in the next little while. I'll say this. In a few weeks' time, on September 8th, now that we've landed this series in Ephesians, we're going to be picking up probably the mother of all topical series for the fall. We're calling it From Redemption to Recycling. And that's a catchphrase just to say we're going to talk about everything everything. Over 12 weeks, we're planning on looking at a number of things. The reality is, I was listening to a podcast a few weeks ago, and the guy said, and it's true, he said this, if you want controversy, don't go to church on Sundays. And then yet, all of us, and I know this because we have a Wednesday community meal and just in relationship with people in this community, we all have questions. And so we've really gone slow through the letter of Ephesians, and now we're going to turn our attention and we're going to talk about a smorgasbord of stuff that we're going to lead our community in, things like gospel kingdom, salvation, church. We're going to talk about hell and judgment and holy war. I know you're geeked up for that. We're going to talk about eschatology, things like the rapture, like is this legit? Some of you grew up in this environment. The apocalypse, some of you grew up around kind of fear-based apocalypse apocalypse theology. We're going to talk about things like God's will, the Bible, like how did we get the Bible. Um, We're going to talk about the gods of our day, so power, money, and sex. We're going to talk about things like the unseen realm, suffering, grief, and loss, creation care, and climate change. We're going to talk about things like determinism, like election, predestination, and free will, and how that all works together. We're going to talk about woman's stuff, and feminism, and the Me Too movement, We're going to talk about violence in the Old Testament, and I'm sure there'll be some other things. And at the end of it all, we're going to have a big nap together and hopefully watch Michigan in the Big Ten Championship the first week of December. Sound like a plan? I just know, uh, being around our community the last number of 
years, and especially this turn into practice, we all have questions, and the church has to be a place where we wrestle through these things. So we love the scriptures, but there has to be moments where we actually engage the cultural issues of our day, because let's be honest, the church doesn't have much of a voice right now, and I think we need to wrestle through some of these things as a community and have some fun along the way. I think this can be um, fun. I actually do think as we wrestle through these things. And so I hope you can join us in the fall season. And we're going to do some midweek pods and different things because we won't be able to cover it all on Sundays, but it's going to be fun. The other thing is all my Old East Village people, there are, I was surprised even to go into our like database um, and see there are a few families, few households, as well as um, some people that live close to Old East, Old East Village. Obviously, it's a big week, and we are thinking about you guys and your neighborhood. Uh, just for you guys in Old East Village, um, just want you to know, if you need anything, if there's anything that we can do as a community, we want to come alongside you. I don't live in Old East Village, but if you sense over the next little while with what happened this week, how we can come alongside. Um, we would love to do that as a church community in any way that we can. So we love you guys. We're thinking about you. And there's people that live kind of on the boundaries as well and just been thinking and praying for you guys uh, as well. Is that good? If you have a Bible, open up to Ephesians chapter 6. You can turn your Bible on. We're going to land the plane, baby. We're going to land the plane on Ephesians. Now, while you're turning there, flipping your Bible on, because this is the new reality. Here's the thing. When we talk about the story of God, we often talk about there being two players in this grand story. And I'll just say this, I am at fault for this, okay? In the teaching and how I've led our community, we've typically talked about two groups uh, in this great story. You have God and you have humans, that's kind of the way we talk in our rational world. And I'll say this, I've been doing a lot of reflection this week. I, as a very rational, at times very academic person, and to a fault, I often neglect to articulate that when we participate in God's story in the world, we are on a stage with fellow actors who are not human. Welcome to church. Um, now, I know... Some of you are like, wait, what? Hold on. And it's so funny. Uh, people come to, into community from different backgrounds and from different communities. Some of you are thinking because of your past church experience, aha, I've been waiting for it. I have been waiting for this place to go kooky. I know some of you, you're like, past church experience, you're like, I've just been sitting, wait, you know, people do this, they come into church, and oftentimes they're like, it's just funny because I often talk to people who are just waiting, you know, for maybe the pastor dude to sleep with the secretary, or, and the pastor dude here doesn't have a secretary, all right, um, or steal some money on y'all, or just get up and kind of teach some sort of heresy to all you guys. Some of you have just kind of been waiting for it. I'll just say this, our experiences, I get it, our experiences, they shape us as humans. And so I get it if you're skeptical. I actually, I wel we welcome that here. Um, I get it if you're wrestling through things. But actually with this, the reality of what we know as spiritual warfare or the unseen realm is something that I have neglected to talk about but is littered throughout the scriptures. And so my prayer this morning is that you'll just hang with me for a few minutes 
and, and hang in there. Listen to what Paul says. He says this, forgot my paper Bible this morning. I, it's like rattled me all morning, um, but it's all good. He says this, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So this is chapter six, verse 10. Then verse 11, put on the full armor of God so that uh, you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, I get it, brothers and sisters, because we've evolved, right? Seriously, like, unlike millennia ago, we can put everything under a microscope. We've got science, we have technology, We've been through the Enlightenment uh, years ago, and obviously we have really smart people in university lecture halls that we pay lots of money to teach us. And in many ways, we're living in what I would call the, a post-postmodern world that's hyper-skeptical about things that we cannot physically see. Basically, we're in, I think the general posture of our city is we're enlightened, and we do not need to believe this crazy religious nonsense, right? And yet, here's the thing. It's so funny. We have that side, and yet we're fascinated. We're fascinated with the supernatural right now. Um, Top-grossing films and TV series all over the place, like uh, Twilight or Walking Dead or uh, the uh, TV series Supernatural, dominate ratings and media. Even fantasy stories like Harry Potter, I'm in, by the way. I've been on a Harry Potter train this... Anybody? No, nobody. Okay. I've been on the Harry Potter train this summer. Ava and I have gotten into Harry Potter. We're knees deep. These stories grab our imaginations. And if we were honest, most of these stories are compelling because they describe another layer to the world that's unseen. So we have this religious nonsense about like the powers and principalities, and yet m many of you watched, you, you set so much time aside on Sunday evenings to watch TV shows with dragons. <sighs> right? Some of you are like, not me. Many of you do. And yet we have this whole world that the scriptures talk about. And I want to look at this, because the scripture continually acknowledges that spiritual beings... And the powers, spiritual forces, are at play in both history, in the history of the world, and something that is actually active in our current reality. The powers are at play. And the Bible, like, so some of you are thinking, so where do you get all this? The Bible. Like, if you take Jesus, if you take justice and righteousness seriously, like most of us do in this room, then we have to be open to the reality of the unseen world and the powers that are at play. And the thing that we haven't talked a lot about in Ephesians is that this is actually a major theme in Ephesians. You probably, as we read some of the text and, we, and it talked about the powers and Jesus defeating the cosmic powers, you were like, whoa, wait a second, we just went by it? It's because we left this for here and now to talk about, but it's actually littered all throughout the letter. And spiritual beings are an important part of the story. Now, here's what I could do. I could take a few minutes and give you some background on the scriptures and spiritual beings in this realm. But as many of you guys know, um, the guys at the Bible Project do a great job in animation, uh, highlighting these themes and whatnot. So what we're going to do is we're just going to take two minutes, three minutes, and uh, check out the screen. I think they do a wonderful job at highlighting just what the, this all entails. So check it out. Go for it. 
I think, a beautiful uh, description of the unfolding. So in Genesis 6, actually, this was the foundational text for the Hebrew community. Uh, and it was about the fall of the cosmic rulers, or what in Scripture, the Hebrew Scripture, called the gods. And many scholars in this unfolding believe that the sons of God were the cosmic rulers that were given authority over creation to rule with God. So we know humans in the garden were created to rule with God, but you have these cosmic rulers. And it's interesting, throughout the Hebrew scriptures, these spiritual beings, and there was a few that were listed there, angels and demons and the Satan, we don't have a ton of time to talk about all of this, we will in the fall a bit more, are called Elohim in Hebrew. Anybody know what Elohim is the name of as well? Yahweh, God himself. And so really the picture we get is there's these like little Elohims, these little gods that are created and they're like, almost like lowercase gods. Yes, there's only one God, and one God that's creator over the angels of the nations, the Elohim, and everything, the little gods. Um, but you have these, these little, little gods. Psalm, Psalm 82, we just read this morning. It's so funny that it lined up in the lectionary. I didn't know it was going to line up. A God, did you hear it this morning when we read the Psalm over you? I read the Psalm over you guys. You have creator God, Yahweh, entering into the heavenly council and addressing these figures, and I don't know if you remember when we read it this morning, he said, you are Elohim, you are gods. So you have these spiritual beings, these cosmic powers, and in Genesis 6, we get the picture that they rebel against God. Now these angelic figures have fallen and they've become corrupted and they no longer carry out the, com the commission that God has given them properly. They no longer rule in order to foster peace and ensure just justice in the world. They no longer rule on behalf of God. But one of the things now that they're doing because they're fallen is they perpetuate evil and work against God and his goodwill in the world. So in the worldview of Israel, the Hebrews, these figures are the ones that stand behind the idolatry and pagan of the pagan nations around them. And I do think the scriptures show us that these fallen spiritual beings have influence on the world. This is what we get in the story. There, listen very closely. There is a battle between Yahweh, God, and his good plan for this world, and the Satan and the fallen powers of darkness that follow him. Now, some of you are like, come on, man, really? Come on. I just ask you to lean into that because here's the thing. Most of us in this room take Jesus really seriously. Most of us get the story that Jesus is love and that, that he is good, and we love that part about him, but it's interesting. You can't even get two or three pages into the Gospels without Jesus doing one thing. What is it? Anybody know? Driving out demons. Like, I know we like the hippie Jesus with the beard and the, the white, you know, shawl and the, I think it's always the purple thing over him, right? And petting lambs. We like the peaceful Jesus. But the reality is, right from the onset, it talks about Jesus coming to declare the kingdom of God. And there is like, if you just open up the Gospels, you, as Westerners, we just kind of put that stuff to the side and don't talk about it. But it is right in front of us. And I'll say this, we take Jesus seriously, so we have to take what Jesus does seriously, and there is conflict with the powers at be. And listen, I also, so we have that, and then I know this is heavy, but the reality is, guys, there is all sorts of evil on display in our world. Are you out there? Every day, we're confronted with evil all, and suffering and injustice all over, 
all over the world, all over our own city. You know, I was thinking um, this week to the attack at the Bataclan in um, Paris. I don't know if you remember that a few years ago. And I have these vivid memories because I remember it was on a Friday night. Heather was out of town. I forget what she was doing. And I had the kids. So my dad's like, hey, what are you doing? I said, I got the kids. And we went to McDonald's Play Place. And I remember leaving my house knowing on the TV that there was this crazy demonic attack happening. People are inside the Bataclan basically texting friends outside of it, this whole thing. And here I am sitting at McDonald's Play Place, right? And I mean, that can be a bad place in and of itself. Any parents with me, you know what I'm talking about. But like, just, just here I am in the utopia of my kids hanging out, eating, I'm sure, McDouble with Mac sauce and my Diet Coke and the evil and injustice that's going on around the world. We, listen, we can just write that stuff like that off as just mentally ill people taking their religious ideology, ideologies to uh, an extreme. And listen, I'm not saying that humans don't make decisions and have a will, but could the powers be at play, right? We just kind of, oh, mentally ill people, they're doing crazy things, but, but let's think about it for a second. Could the cosmic powers be at play in this stuff, right? It's all over the scripture. It's all over the course of human history. It's all over the letter of Ephesians. Now, here's the thing. I'm not crazy. I, I know what some of you are thinking. I do think we need to be careful that we blame the devil on everything. Some of you grew up in a culture like this. You can just come at the end. We will pray for you because I know, I know what it can be like that the devil is, I think, what do they say? The devil is under every doorpost, right? The devil made me do it. Come on, right? The majority of the time, I would say in our brokenness, we're just dumb. Come on, can I get an amen? Like we're just, we just do stupid stuff as humans and we make poor choices and I think we've got to be really careful to blame the devil on everything. But I do think in the Western world, we've swung completely the other way. And we do need to acknowledge that there are spiritual forces at play. We just need to wrestle with this. We're going to get to Ephesians in a second, but I just remember I had to wrestle with this as a 14-year-old kid who, it was basically a white suburban team of people that went to Haiti. And it was a great team of people. And I just remember thinking as I lay there and in the background as a 14-year-old kid, I heard voodoo chants maybe a mile away as we rested our heads after doing ministry at night. And it's just real. This stuff is real. And the theme in Ephesians is there's actually a deep theme in Ephesians of spiritual warfare. It actually saturates this letter. Uh, a guy named Timothy Gombas, he puts it like this. He says, Paul's letter is a narrative, a, a narrative account of the victory of God in Christ over the powers that have hijacked God's world, holding it captive and enslaving humanity. He goes on and says this. Ephesians is something that announces the triumph of God in Christ over the powers that rule the present evil age and then narrates how the church participates in this triumph. That's actually how you could sum up Ephesians, that God, through Jesus, rules and reigns, and now how the church begins to reign with him. Just go back with me to Ephesians 1 and listen to how Paul opens up the letter. He says this, that power is the same as the mighty strength he, God, exerted when he, God, raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. That idea of 
the right hand is total king language. Sometimes we're like, is Jesus really at the right hand of the Father? That's not as much, is he on the right or the left? That's not the point. The point is, when you said in the ancient Near East about sitting at the right hand of somebody, it meant authority and crowning and power. And then Paul goes on, verse 21, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. The way Paul opens this up is he is ultimately declaring that Jesus wins over Satan and the cosmic fallen powers, and now we as the church participate in his victory. You with me? Make sense? What Paul is doing is continually placing on Jesus as this great ruler, as this great king, and he hasn't come just to make everything better. He's actually come to defeat the cosmic powers that have rebelled against Yahweh and his good plan for the world. I know it's heavy, but this is actually the story. And you can't read Ephesians without getting to this portion of scripture where our battle is not against flesh and blood. Christians have always leaned into this. We, we understand that even when there's conflict with humans, there's something under that conflict. Sometimes it's personality and you just need to read the Enneagram and get into that. For others of you, it's just a, a shift in your own emotional health. And then other times, I would say it's probably, um, probably the cosmic powers at play. There's all sorts of things. Now, when you read the cosmic powers in Greek, it's this long Greek word, kosmokratoras. Cosmocratores. And as you know, with most words, we just don't bring up English words in Greek to sound cool, though you could use it at lunch and maybe think, people think it's awesome. I don't know. But a lot of times when these words come together, it's two words coming together. This word for cosmic powers is a combination of the word world and to grasp. A guy named Bruce Longnecker, which is like mother of all names. I would love a name like Bruce Longnecker. Anyways, he suggests that this word be translated cosmos grabbers. This is what the spiritual powers are. They are the cosmos grabbers, which depicts these figures as selfishly, the cosmos grabbers, the powers, they're selfishly and madly grasping at their portion of God, God's good world without concern for the self-destruction uh, and all the strategies that it initiates in taking the world down. They are caught, the, the cosmic powers are cosmic grabbers. They're trying to take a piece of God, God's good plan for the world. So Gombus, he says this, for Paul, therefore, the powers and authorities were originally created to play a legitimate role within creation, overseeing the social, cultural, and political aspects of, of national life. They have rebelled, however, and now foster the enslaving character of the present evil age, cultivating all the self-destructive patterns inherent in it. They no longer function so that the nations come to fear and worship the Most High God, but now they enslave the nations. They pursue a strategy that prevents humanity from carrying out its mission to be the image of God on earth. The powers orient the cultures of the world so that humanity will develop patterns of sin, enslaving them in spiritual depth. Their aim, the powers, their aim is destruction and the enslavement of humanity. When Paul talks about the powers and authorities in Ephesians, therefore, he has in mind the superhuman cosmic rulers. A lot of words in there, I know, but I think it just sums up. These powers were created for good. They have rebelled, and now they were spinning the world out of control. Think, for example, and this, was, this isn't in the notes, but even this morning walking in and seeing these two young guys sleeping on the ground, there are all sorts of systemic things that we could talk about in our culture around poverty that still keep people in poverty, right? 
And I would say the powers are at play in that. There are systems, we're getting deep here, but there are systems that we live out in our, in, as humans, but oftentimes are influenced by the power to keep people entangled. In, look at slavery throughout the world, all sorts of injustice throughout the world. The powers are at play. I'm not here to freak you out. I'm just here to tell, I'm the paper boy. I'm here to tell you the truth that Paul is big on this, that what Jesus now has done is he has defeated these things, and in his return, they will be put to an end. This is a big part of the story. So I'll just say this. I know there's a lot here. There's going to be a ton of questions. We will answer some of these in the fall. <laughs> Can I have a couple weeks break? Is that all right before we get to the, the fall and all that we're going to talk about? I'll just, just let me remind you of a few things. One, I know you've heard it here. Spiritual warfare is legit. And that's a Druism just to let you know that it is real. Spiritual warfare is legit. S- the Satan and the cosmic powers that we read about in the text are real. And I just find you have people on one side who ignore it, completely ignore it. It's like, let's go for brunch and uh, go for a movie and just like forget about all this stuff. And then you have others on the other side who see a demon in every situation. And I don't have, I don't even know if the word is like balance. I don't know what the word is. I'm here to be super honest with you. I don't know what the word is but I don't think either side is really great. I don't think ignoring this stuff and just putting it to the side is great. I don't think seeing a demon under every door post or whatever is the way. I just know there somewhat needs to be somewhat of a balance. And I'm much more comfortable attributing evil to Satan, and we'll talk about this in the fall. I'm much more comfortable attributing evil to Satan and the powers than I am to Yahweh and to God. Some people, anytime there's a natural disaster, just want to point to God as the one kind of doing all this stuff. I think we need to be careful of that. We've got to live in the balance. Like even this morning, it's funny. We have not had um, technical difficulties at all. Like it's been such smooth sailing since like the last number of years and then the turnover to Praxis. And this morning was the morning where everything went wrong. It was like an hour of chaos. Now, could it just be that it's it was chaos just because it was chaos? Maybe. Could there be something behind that? I'm not out here to freak anybody out or be weird, but I just think, what? It's interesting on a morning like this morning where there's been a lot of heavy lifting even to get here this morning, how these things happen. I think, I don't know what the word is, but I think we do need to try and live in the balance of that as a church. So the cosmic powers, Satan, the Satan and cosmic powers, spiritual warfare is legit. It's on Paul's lips all the time. But I'll just say this. Please understand when we talk about this that the fallen cosmic powers are just grasping for straws. Don't you love the, the idioms this morning? Isn't it great? I think that's a word. Grasping for, is that legit? Yeah, okay. Grasping for straws. Um, and we got to keep this before us. So through Jesus' life, death, his ministry, his burial, and his resurrection, the battle has been won, and now these cosmic powers are on their last legs. We're people that lean in, and we actually know the end of the story, and we know that when Jesus returns and brings heaven to earth, the Satan and his entourage will be completely rid of. And they're just grasping for straws in this moment. So everything that we see evil and the powers that are under it, there's part of us as Jesus followers that go, we know the end of the story. And we know that this is evil's last ditch attempt to wreak havoc on God's good world. You with me? There is a day coming. Jesus followers from the very beginning have leaned into this idea that new creation is here, it's among us, and it's coming. And so anytime something evil happens, we point to it and we go, this is on its last legs. It's kind of like this. Think of it like this. I think of it like this. Think of D-Day and V-E-Day. 
I think this is a good picture of how we see the powers. So many of you guys know from history class, D-Day, June 6, 1944, was the Normandy landing, where the Allied troops descended on Normandy. Basically, it was essentially that the, the battle... Uh, and the Allies had defeated the German army. But as you know, there was like a year or more of conflict between D-Day and something called VE Day, which was Victory in Europe Day, a whole year, almost a year later, May 8th, 1945. The ultimate victory didn't come until VE Day, almost a year later, where there was unconditional surrender. Now, that's a beautiful picture of what's happened. Jesus, through his life, teaching, death, burial, and resurrection, it's like D-Day. He has defeated the cosmic powers. And yet, they're, they're on their last legs. They're grasping for air in our moments, trying to stay alive. But V-E Day, Jesus' return is coming, and that is the day in which Jesus will rid the world of evil. And so just remember, man, like when it, evil is among us. There's all sorts of things. There's good and evil all around us. But just remember that these powers, the Satan is on his last legs. It's a beautiful story. And then I'll just say this. In the in-between, so in between Jesus' ascension and his return, this is where our story, this is where we are characters in the great drama of God. We are living out the final act. So if you think of it like this, the Bible is all these acts in God's story, and here we are as improvisers right now in God's beautiful story. And I'll just say, in the in-between, Paul actually gives us three instructions in how we're to live this stuff out. We're called to, one, stand firm. Two, we're called to clothe ourselves. And three, we're called to pray in the Spirit. If we take what the whole grand narrative is leading us to, and if we take Paul's word seriously, we're called to stand firm, clothe ourselves, and be people that pray in the spirit. Paul says this, therefore, put on the full armor of God. Where's Kev? <laughs> a few weeks ago, we dressed Kev up in hockey equipment when the kids were in with us and we threw balls at him. It was amazing. You probably missed it, but it was fun. Uh, put on the full armor of God, Paul says. You may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Stand firm. Paul says it twice, and this is what he continually does when he equips people when it comes to the cosmic powers. Stand firm. Stand firm. Then clothe yourselves. So the common image we get in Ephesians is we take off our old life and we put on this new life in Christ, and now in the Spirit, we actually clothe ourselves with the armor of God. I'm not going to take a lot of time. For some of you, this is like Sunday school stuff and you have the picture and all that, but I think it's Paul's way of just saying, clothe yourselves for this battle. Because the battle is not flesh and blood. The battle is not the humans around you. There may be conflict with humans, but this is not our ultimate battle. So the belt of truth you know, the belt in the ancient world held the sword, which was the most important thing, in the, or the dagger. I think the belt of truth is a good picture of integrity. Paul talks about the breastplate of righteousness. It was made of woven chain and used to cover all the vital organs. Some of you think of gladiator back in the day. I think this is a great picture for us of right living, righteousness, living right in the way of Jesus. The helmet of salvation. Obviously, the, the head and the heart were the most important things. The helmet of salvation protected the head. I think this is a picture of taking on in this battle the mind of Christ. The shield of faith. A shield in that day was a two by four 
uh, two by four foot shields. It was made of wood and covered, uh, obviously, and protected from the fiery arrows that were coming. I think the shield of faith is a great picture of allegiance, allegiance to Jesus, faith being allegiance. Then Paul says the sword of the spirit, which we know is the word of God. You know, when Jesus was tempted, just want to remind us that we don't just read the Bible just for poops and giggles. Like there's part of it is that when we put it into us, that was funny, no poops and giggles. Nobody's laughing this morning. It's a hot in here. Kev's going to blame the powers. That's what he's going to do. That's what he's like. Yeah. Anyways, um, you know, where, where was I? What was I talking about? Where? Sort of the spirit. You know, sometimes we think, oh, we just, like, you hear people say, you just need to read your Bible. It's interesting that everything that came out of Jesus was scripture in his deepest times of temptation. It's actually a sword that divides. It's beautiful. And then the boots of peace. Roman soldiers had hobnails on the sole of their boots, like cleats, to ground themselves in battle as they took on the enemy. And ultimately, as people are... Our war is not against flesh and blood, but we're grounded as people of peace in the way of Jesus. So we stand firm, we clothe ourselves, and then listen to what Paul says. He says this, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Now when people, you know, there's certain traditions that will look at pray in the spirit and ultimately they'll go to praying in tongues, which is a thing in the scriptures. I... I'm more convinced that what Paul is saying here is that we should be people in this battle that are praying with the Spirit's leading. This is what we're called to do. Pray with the Spirit's leading. That when the adversary, and, and when this, as this war is raging, one of the, the guard points for us is that we're people of prayer. We're brought into this life of prayer. And I just want to encourage us in this. Um, we have really developed over time here the spiritual disciplines and things like fixed hour prayer, but I do think there is a lot of room for contending prayer in our moment. Pray in the spirit on all occasions. And Paul's like, guys, you gotta pray for me because ultimately if you're in this thing and if you're following Jesus with heart, soul, mind, and strength, we need to be covered in prayer. And so one of the things I think we've gotta work out as a community is just how we continue to develop um, fix our prayer in these moments and rhythms of prayer, which are really important. Because I've often said, man, a lot of us say, and I'm the same, oh, I pray all the time. Like Paul says, pray without ceasing, and that's me. And really, I'm not praying at all. So I think the rhythm is good. But I also do think in this moment, in between the trees, in between Jesus' ascension and his return, there are moments and times and seasons of intercession and really praying in the Spirit. So my encouragement, brothers and sisters, is this. Take this seriously. Because I do, I think when we look around, many of us, I love the youthfulness of our community. And so many of us, me included, Heather and I included, are so passionate about justice issues. And justice and righteousness and all these things that the Bible lead us to. But you cannot have those things without acknowledging the battle that's going on. And my encouragement for you is to stand, for myself as well, is to stand firm clothe yourself with this great armor that God has given, this spiritual armor, 
and pray in the spirit, pray at all times. Um, pray as we enter into this. You with me? That's my prayer, clothe yourselves. And so as we, um, as we come to the tables, you know, sometimes we come, obviously it's all around remembering Jesus, what he's done for us, and as well looking and anticipating the table that's gonna be availed to us in the new earth. It all centers around this beautiful meal. But as, we, as these guys lead us, I'm gonna move the TV for them in a second, and as they lead us, and as we come to the tables, um, my prayer is through, as we take these things, and we take these, the bread and cup every week, it's, it's routine, it's part of our, our rhythm, that we would be reminded that we are following into this story the cosmic king of the universe. I pray that as we eat and drink, that it would just be a great reminder for us that evil is done with. And this is why this story is so beautiful. I want to invite everybody that I know into this story because it is the greatest story. You know, we talked about household rules last week and how it's the better story. Think about this. Evil will be rid of. Injustice will be done with. Every tear will be wiped away. And I just think, man, we get to step into this. So as we taste these things, my prayer is that it would just be a reminder to us that we know the end of the story and I think all of us want to be on the winning team, even if you're not competitive, we're on the winning team. We are on, hold on, stand strong, stand firm, because we are on the winning side and we follow the king of the universe.